Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Ought to be an easy one to find today, first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 25. We'll start in the 27th verse. Genesis 25. How many of you own a pickup truck? Okay, I'm, I'm, this is not EPA checking up on your gas mileage or anything. Um, I'm one of those people. I saw a bumper sticker on a pickup truck recently that I like. It said, yes, this is my truck, and no, I can't help you move. I like that. <laughs> to relate to that. There's another sign that I've seen on pickup trucks. As I drive to Dallas-Fort Worth and all these little towns, there's, there's old pickup trucks sitting in yards and sitting in front of businesses. And I see this sign on a lot of them. Sometimes it's painted in the window. Sometimes it's plastered on the side. It says, not for sale. Why is that? Because everybody stops and says, hey, that's a cool old pickup. You want to sell it? And they just get tired of saying that, not for sale. Well, that's our sermon this morning from the Word of God, not for sale. We're going to put a sign on our lives that says, not for sale. This, this sermon was prepared for the graduates. You guys listen in, but everybody else gets to hear this because these truths are appropriate for all of us. Let me set the stage here. In Genesis chapter 25, you have the story of the birth of Esau and Jacob. Jacob and Esau is the way we usually say it. Uh, And as they're born, there's there's a a struggle in the family. It's a typical family. It's a dysfunctional family. Uh, One son is loved by one parent, the other by the other, and they kind of play against each other. And we have the initial encounter where God begins to to work, has an opportunity to work, and, and one of these brothers makes an impulsive decision, and it affects their family and generations after them. So let's look at this. Verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. And Isaac loved Esau, the father Isaac, because he had a taste for wild game. But Rebekah, the mother, loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. That is why he's also called Edom, which refers to the red. By the way, I've, I said this morning earlier that, that Jacob was the top chef of, of Israel. Did you know that? He went through the competition, so he's home baking this stew, this red stuff. I, I thought it might be like Texas red. You know, that's what he's cooking, but it says it's lentils later. The Bible says in verse 31, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Esau comes in exhausted. He says, give me some of that stew you're making. He says, first, sell me your birthright. Look, said Esau, I'm about to die. So what good is a birthright to me? Y'all ever been that hungry? I'm about to die. I'm so hungry I could die. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. I don't know where that one comes from, but that's where he was. He is completely exhausted and starving to death. Jacob said, the cook, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau, and he ate, and he drank, and he got up and went away. So Esau despised his birthright, or didn't understand the importance of the birthright that was given to him. We'd understand that birthright was was the firstborn's responsibility 
to be the spiritual leader of the home, to be the provider, to be the one who took care of the family. So as mom and dad get older, the birthright goes to that firstborn son. It was very important, not just physically to care for the family, but spiritually to give guidance and direction. We've got some points here of application for us, not just for graduates, but for everybody. Number one, your life is not yours to sell. Number one, your life, graduates, your life, followers of Christ, is not yours to sell. Esau had no right to sell this birthright. It was set in the, in the plan of the people of God. It was set in the plan of that family. It was the culture of their day, of those folks who followed God, that this was the way it worked. It was not his to give up. It wasn't his to negotiate. It wasn't something that was for sale yet. He did it anyway. Application for us today, your life is not for sale. Hold that place there. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A couple of very important verses that you should have underlined or highlighted in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know, this is written to believers, that your body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Let me just stop right there before I read the next part of that. The Bible says that when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, when you pray and say, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin, Lord Jesus, come into my life, take over, take control. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God comes into our life and he regenerates us, he changes us, he makes us a new person, he comes to take up residence in us and what he does is he confirms the presence of Christ in our life. So the Bible says you're not your own, your body is the sanctuary or the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You are not your own, you were bought at a price. In other words, the Bible is reminding us that when we trusted Christ as Savior, we invited him to come into our life, God bought us back. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and he purchased you. By the way, it's, it's incredible to think that he created us and then he died for us to buy us back because the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. We turn away from God. But the Bible also says in Isaiah, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took on our sin. He bought us. You have been bought twice. He made you and if you're a follower of Christ, he saved you. You're not your own. You can't set the agenda. You can't say, this is my plan for my life. This is what I want to do. Because the Bible says you're not your own. Graduates, you're not your own. If you know Christ as Savior, you, you step out of the home and you go into adulthood. The plan of God is for you to follow him, to understand that your life is not yours to sell. The Apostle Paul talked about pursuing that prize, which is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in Philippians 3. That's what, that's what we're to do. We're to say, my life is no longer mine. I yield it to God. Number two, second application, second truth. Since my life is no longer mine, I have to do this. I have to make up my mind before I hit the difficult pressure. So number two, make up your mind before you're pressured. Before you're pressured to make, to make a decision. Make up your mind ahead of time. Esau had not made up his mind. He really didn't care much about the birthright. He's out there hunting, doing his thing. He comes in, he's exhausted. There's food, he smells it, and he's going to eat. And, and I think it's so interesting, back in, in Genesis 25, 
when Esau says, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? In other words, I'm so hungry, I don't care about anything. This is what's important to me right now. He had not made up his mind before he got in the situation what was important. F.B. Myers said that that birthright included a spiritual heritage, heritage to be the priest of the family. That's what he gave up. That's what he said, you can have, I don't want it, it's not important to me. Because he hadn't made up his mind before the pressure hit. Young people, listen, you have to make up your mind before you get in that situation what you're going to do. If I'm presented with this, what am I going to say? If I'm presented with that, what am I going to say? To know ahead of time. Recently, my wife and I went shopping for a sofa. It was kind of an impulse thing. We were driving down SPID and saw a furniture store. We've been wanting a new sofa. Kelly's finally decided the style she wants, and which blows me away because it's different than I thought anything she'd ever want before. But she's decided that's what she wants. So let's pull in here and check this sofa out. And we walk in. And of course, they're having a sale. They're always having a sale. So first mistake. Second mistake, we go in and we find this sofa. And we kind of look at it. And I, I pace it off. And I say, this will fit right in our living room. It's a sectional. It's perfect. And that's second mistake. It'll fit. Third mistake is, you know what we did? We sat down on it. Oh, man. It, was, it felt so good. I said, this so beats that old sofa we've got right now. My sofa that we're sitting on, it, it, it's, it's a, if, I, if I want to sell it to you, it's a good sofa. But to keep for myself, it's not that good. Can you relate to that? Yeah. So, oh, this thing feels so nice. Would this be so nice? And so we started looking, and a little sign said, interest-free, blah, 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 special deal. And we thought, man, we can make this happen. So we start calculating and figuring. And, of course, we got up, and we, we walked out of the furniture store and got in the car and drove away without a sofa. You know why? Because we decided ahead of time we weren't going to make a buy like that. We were going to go into debt just to have a sofa. Now, folks, it was pretty tempting. I'm still thinking about it right now. Man, a, a Sunday afternoon nap on that sofa? Wow. But you know what? We decided ahead of time. We, we already know what we're going to do. Make up your mind before you get there. Number three, be ready for the storm. As you leave the house, as you go to college or go to the job or go wherever it is, be prepared, be ready for the storm. There is an attack, there's an onslaught, there's an invasion coming your way. If somebody hasn't told you about that, I'll be the first one. It's coming, be ready for it. Don't be like people that move to the Texas Gulf Coast and then get surprised that there's a hurricane coming. Oh, I love it here in Rockport. What, hurricane? It's coming this way? Yeah? Yeah? Because the shape of the Texas coast says magnet to hurricanes. Have you noticed that? They just come up like they're aiming this way, and we pray for them to go get somebody else instead of us. Don't be like the person that moves down here and says, I just, I just, I'm surprised by the hurricanes. That's what happens here. Be like the storm chasers. Those guys look for those kind of things. Be, be prepared for the storm. Hurricane preparedness, they're on the radio now. Come get your map, come do this, come do that. Come let us tell you how your business can be ready for a hurricane. It is going to happen. Be ready for it. Esau wasn't. He was caught off guard by the fact that he was so hungry he wouldn't care about anything else but eating. I can relate to that. There are going to be temptations. There will be moral temptations. There will be material temptations. I don't know why, but when you go to college, they start sending you applications for credit cards. When you go away to college, well, I know why. Man, many a 
college student has fallen victim to that. Oh, I, I've got a $1,000 limit on this credit card. And here we go. Watch out for those kind of temptations. They will be there. Let's look at number four. Is that which one we're on, number four? Be strategic. I just want to help you young people as you leave the nest. Be strategic. Hold that place again and look with me at Hebrews. Actually, you can probably just close that place because we won't go back. At least it's not my plan to go back to Genesis. Hebrews chapter 12. The first couple of verses there. Now, the reason I'm taking it to Hebrews 12 is because I want you to have a plan. Because Genesis chapter 25 says Esau didn't have a plan. Esau was surprised and he went with the impulse. I want to help you with a plan. Listen to this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, I believe the cloud of witnesses is chapter 11, all the people of the faith who've gone before them, who have gone before us, who have been steadfast and they're witnessing to the faithfulness of God. Since we have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Be strategic. Have a plan. Here's the plan. Number one, or letter A, whatever we've got. Is it A? Lay aside anything that hinders. Lay aside anything that hinders. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Lay it aside. Now, it is clear that as a follower of Christ, I need to put sin out of my life. I need to lay it aside. But it's interesting, the writer of Hebrews says, any weight that would ensnare you. There may be something in your life that the Bible doesn't say is sin, but it's pulling you down. People sometimes come to me and say, Pastor, show me in the Bible where it says I can't do that. I can't always do that. Show me in the Bible where it says I can't, I can't go there, or I can't say that, or I can't wear that, or I can't listen to that, or I can't drink that. Show me where it says that in the Bible where I may not be able to show you that, but I guarantee you, if it's a weight in your life, you need to lay it aside. It's like the guy that showed up at the race and he got on the starting line and he's ready to go and the, the referee walked up and said, uh, son, you got leg weight, your leg weights are still on. You know how those weights that you put on there are different weights to when you run and train? And he said, you've left your training weights on. He says, show me in the rule book where it says I can't wear those. The referee says, well, it really doesn't say you can't wear those, but knock yourself out, buddy. If you want to run this race with leg weights, go ahead, but you aren't going to win. The Bible says lay aside those weights. I don't know what that weight would be in your life. I don't know what it is. It may be peer pressure. It may be the people you hang around with or will be tempted to. I love it. There's a story of Teddy Roosevelt. He had a dog that was always getting in a fight with other dogs and he was losing every time. Somebody said, he's not much of a fighter, is he? And Roosevelt said, no, he is. He's just a poor judge of other dogs. Don't be a poor judge of other people that come into your life because they're not all there to build you up. Some are there to pull you down. Lay aside those weights. Lay aside the sin, whatever it is that's going to pull you down. Letter B, the second thing in your strategic plan is have a marathon mindset. Have a marathon mindset. 
Look again at verse 1. Lay aside every weight and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. What's he talking about? He's not talking about 100 meters. He's talking about a marathon. Run with endurance. Did you know the Christian life is a marathon? Christian life is not how high you jump, but it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. It's, it's staying faithful day by day by day. Have this mindset that says, I'm in this for the long haul. I cannot tell you how many young people have grown up in the church, have come to a commitment to Christ, and have left to go away to college, and they forgot that it's the long haul. Christianity is not till I'm 18 years old. Where did we get that one? I don't know, but you look at college campuses, and that's the mindset. You're in it for the long haul. When I married my wife 31 years ago, there was no doubt in my mind that we were in this for the long haul. It has not been an easy 31 years. I think I have a great marriage. I love Kelly, she loves me, but there have been times where if we weren't in it for the long haul, we might have decided to check out of this thing. Somebody said she's never considered divorce before, but she's considered murder a couple of times. <laughs> Rightly so. Are you in it for the long haul? Not just, well, until a better deal comes along or until a better situation happens. No, stay with it. Run with endurance the race that's set before us. And the third thing, and I don't know if it needs to be three or one, but it's just in this order in the text. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Look at verse two. Keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. The source, the perfecter. Literally, that means the pioneer of our faith, the one who blazed the trail for us. Keep your eyes on him. Don't be like Dorothy and the crew in the Wizard of Oz who found the yellow brick road and they sang about it and followed it and they see the emerald city in the distance and there's this poppy field that they take a shortcut through, I guess, and they, get, they succumb to that. They get their eyes off the goal, the city, get sidetracked. Don't be like that. Keep your eyes on Christ. How do you do that? Spend time with him. Stay in the word. Pray. Find, a, find an accountability partner that can help you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. So that when you leave and you go away to college or you go out into the world or whatever it is you're going to be doing from now on, it's clear that you belong to Christ. There's a TV show that I've picked up on. It's called American Pickers. Anybody watch that one? Yeah, there's these guys. It's amazing how many people watch this stuff. It's fascinating. These two guys get in their van and they drive around the country looking for junk. That's what they do. Sometimes they have contacts. Other times they, they say they're going freestyling. They'll just drive down the highway and see this yard with lots of stuff in it. And they'll pull over and they'll knock on the door and say, they show a flyer and say, here, we, we collect stuff. Do you have anything? Well, maybe. And so there's an old broken down car here and another car there and another car there and a truck there and a tractor there and a motorcycle here and bicycles there and washing machine there. And sometimes they go to these places. There are acres of things for, that are out there. And so what their deal is, they want to buy some of that stuff and resell it and make some money. So they'll walk along and they'll find something and they'll say, boy, this is cool. Is this for sale? Nope, not for sale. Okay, let's keep looking. They'll find something. How about this? Nope, it's not for sale. How about that? And they find stuff on the back of shelves. They climb up over trash and boxes and look everywhere. Stuff that hasn't been seen for years. Pull it out. What about this? Nope, not for sale. Find a bicycle and they dig it out. How about this? It's not for sale. They might spend a whole afternoon at one of these, these houses, one of these yacht lots, and never buy a thing because the owner has said, it's my stuff and it's not for sale. 
Sometimes they say, we just got to find a small thing. Let's break the ice. Not for sale. Folks, the enemy is like American pickers. He is after you, your values, your mindset, your attitude, what you read, what you watch, where you go, what you think, how you act. He's after you, and he's saying, is that for sale? You know what he needs to hear from us? No, not for sale. That's the only way we're going to make it. I hope you will join me in saying, no matter what, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm not for sale. Pray with me, will you?